The name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the man. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Well, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. <laughs> it is 007, a James Bond podcast coming to you today for a very special episode. It is an interview. We love bringing you interviews on this show and we are speaking today with Matthew Bauer. He's a director of a brand new James Bond film called The Other Fellow. No, it is not another documentary on the great George Lazenby. This is a documentary on people on the planet with the name of James Bond. Real people with the real name of James Bond. It's kind of an idea that you think would have been done before. But Matt is the first, and this is a great chat with him, learning about how he came up with the idea of the film, the process in making it, and a couple of great moments, which I know you're going to enjoy, with a connection to another one of our podcasts, a very famous actor from a very famous TV show appears in this movie playing James Bond. I won't spoil it. You'll have to listen to the interview. And Matt also goes into detail about one real-life James Bond who is probably more obsessed with Die Another Day than me. Now, that is something you need to listen to. Here's our chat with film director Matthew Bauer about his new James Bond documentary, The Other Fellow. We've been doing this show for close to seven years now, covering all aspects of James Bond. But one thing we've never really done on this show is talked about the real James Bond or people out there who maybe have the name James Bond. One man has done that for us. He is the director of a brand new documentary film that is just about to be released, an award-winning documentary film already. The film is called The Other Fellow, and in this film, it documents the lives of real people on this planet called James Bond. It's an exciting subject and I'm so excited to welcome the director to this show, Mr. Matthew Bauer. Matthew, first of all, welcome to 007. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you much for being I'm very glad to be here. It's funny, our documentary is about names and I'm I'm very impressed with Double Oz 7. Uh, I think, I don't know how many martinis it took for you guys to come up with that one. Uh, but since I've heard, it now seems just so obvious for an Australian Bond, Bond, double Oz 7. It's not bad. I hear, obviously, you, you don't obviously know a Bond world. You hear like every Bond pun. Yes. That goes just around. A few. And when they do headlines about the film and that kind of all the classic double O heavens and yep. things, but double Oz 7. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. There's, it, I mean, it does roll off the tongue well, but um, at the time we did it, uh, my co-host and I were doing a show purely on Survivor, and the show was called Survivor Oz, and we just wanted to keep the word Oz in everything that we did. So yeah. it kind of just connected the bases with all our other shows. So um, seven, seven years later, it's still working a treat, and here we are. 
So was it, an, um, was it an Australian Survivor podcast or? A, or a, uh, we it was mainly you at the time. It was purely US because we didn't have the Australian version at the time. Um, but obviously okay. now that doesn't exist. There's another Australian. Survivor. There's a whole history there, Matt. We could be here Actually, all day just talking thing. about I, that. I, yes. I dipped back into that world during the Russell Hans uh, during the sort of Renaissance of that period, probably around yes. that time. Everyone, um, a lot of people did. That was, and I think that's what actually, um, yeah. I think when Channel Nine started re-showing it, they they stopped showing yeah. it and they caught up because of the I Russell. Probably did, I probably did the first five years, but I actually really enjoyed rejoining it for a few years there. Yeah, um, yeah but sorry, I'll let you on to the. the it's all good. We can. I mean, we got we got time. Let's first ten minutes on Survivor, then we'll get to this little movie you've made. I believe it's, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But the other fellow, I mean, you talk about puns. Uh, you know, we love that George Lazenby line. I love how you connected it to George Lazenby there with the name of this film. But this this is an idea. You talk about the name of our show being, you know, should have been taken earlier. This is a movie that I feel should have been done years ago. This is an obvious sub- subject matter in many ways, but you're the first to do this. How did this all come about, this idea for this film? You, you, I, I know what you mean, actually. I think whether it's film or entrepreneurship, but especially with film, most of the time I, oh, I, I kind of go... If it's a good idea, often it's just simply you go, I can't believe someone hasn't done it already. Um, and I was surprised with this. There, there are a lot of like, th- there is a whole world of kind of ancillary stuff about men called James Bond. You know, there are, there was a, um, a Heineken commercial about 10 uh, for the Tomorrow Never Dies release, which was all these guys across America called James Bond. And a lot of my characters do actually get called up to do TV commercials and kind of weird endorsements. Um, In in our film, one of them uh, stars in an ad for an online casino in in New Jersey, for instance. Uh, (laughs) So there is, there, there is a whole world of men called James Bond out there. I think we're just the first documentary to really, you know, go in and make a film um, about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of through that, that I've started finding these guys, uh, you, you know, originally. And I, I mean, a couple of things were interesting first in the research, what was interesting is they were quite hard to find because, you know, obviously if you Google James Bond, it gets buried under a billion James Bond search results. Um, and as you know, our New York theater director complains, I mean, he's a theater director in New York. If, if I Google, you know, James Bond, New York theater director, even, you know, he doesn't come up. It's still somehow those buzzwords will still hit upon. Probably Daniel you know, Craig in Macbeth or something. Yeah, Daniel Craig New York Macbeth, theater, right? <laughs> it will still hit across things that are not them. And so that was the first thing, which is they're quite hard to find. And that became kind of interesting because a lot of what their stories were about was was, uh, well, I mean, firstly about what we've just said, a lot of them kind of do court the limelight in some ways. Um, and, you know, of course they've got all the expected Aston Martin jokes and martini jokes and that kind of thing. But some of them wrote back actually about quite more d- documentary style, dramatic stories about um, being on the run from the police and dealing with the police. You know, one of our characters is, is arrested for murder during the film and, you know, is on the run from the police. Um, and then there's another character who's having to deal with a stalker. And these are specifically situations where you don't want to be found. And so when the James Bond name kicks in in those situations, that's where in the film it actually becomes the most interesting thing and almost how in that instance it can be both a blessing 
and a, and a curse, um, you know, and that can change every five minutes if your name's James Bond. Because I can imagine it's one of those um, situations where if you've got a name such as Bond, that's your surname, and then you have a son, the question's got it there. It's not different, Matt, if you have a son one day, I'm assuming you might possibly call them Jack because then you'd have Jack Bauer. I would do that, but that's just me. I'm a fan of 24. Uh, but, like, it's obviously that thing that would cross your mind, right? And I can – I sort of read in a lot of uh, what you've done in the lead-up to this, some of the interviews, where, you know, these people who have this name have lived with it, obviously – some are obviously living up to it, but then as sort of what you're touching on, some people, it's a, it's a curse. Like people who would never believe them, yeah. that their name is actually James Bond. Their parents went that route and called them James. Yeah, no, they did. And if you're a 24 fan, ask, remember, ask me about oh, it. Oh, no, I know. I know there's ask a big 24, 24 connection to this film. I, I'm, I'm getting there. Don't worry. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, what kind of happened was more in the past – you know, and say the 60s where a lot of our characters were born, um, you know, obviously, yes, if you if you have a son and your name is Bond, probably James is going to be the first thing that, that comes to mind. But as a lot of our characters say, you know, sequel was a very new concept then. And and you didn't, you know, you might have had like, like kind of like Tarzan serials and that kind of thing. But, but, you know, we're in the 60th anniversary this year and, you know, nobody was like, this will still be going in 60 years, you know? And I think the best comparison is someone said it was like, you know, calling a kid Jason Bourne hmm. or something like that. These days you're, you're like, yes, it's fun for now, but it's not going to go on forever. Um, yeah. And then these days, generally when people do it these days, there's often kind of more of a reason for it. Um, or there's some kind of a logic to it. Um, yeah, of course, I'm sure there are some crazy, nasty parents out there who just do it to be funny, you know, in the same way people call their kid a dumb name. Um, I'm sure there are. I haven't personally come across anyone that's done it just, just to be stupid like that. Uh, but yeah, definitely in the film, what's kind of fun is in Texas, we actually have a family of four James Bonds in succession. Wow. And it's four. But it's because it was their family. It, they, the, the father, the, the oldest one, who's the great grandfather, um, you know, he was already like 40 or so um, when he had his son who was born in 1956. And so he called his son James after himself. And then, you know, the, the books and the films happen. And then when they had the third of that generation in the 70s, they said, well, we're going to continue this tradition. Screw James Bond. We're going to keep doing it. Um, wow. And then they have now another son who was born in about 1990, not 19, no, probably about 2000. Um, yeah, yeah, who who we see in the film as well. And again, they they kind of went, well, this is kind of our family tradition that we've set up and we're not going to let James Bond get in the way of that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you should, you should imagine, you should hear what all the wives have to say about this along the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting to, I think the thing about the name James Bond, despite, despite everything that's associated with it, it's not a stupid name. Do you know what I mean? You know how people criticize parents for, I think Elon, Elon Musk has called his kids some math equation or something. You know, yeah. there's, <laughs> it, Northwest, James Bond, like that. 
Fleming actually chose the name because, as he says, it's a really flat, quiet name. And, yeah. and James Bond, a lot of people say this in the film, James Bond itself is actually quite a good name. I mean, it sounds obvious, but it's probably part of the success of the character. It's a very good direct name that rolls off the tongue really well. Um, and so, you know, like if these were people called Indiana Jones, it's another kind of thing because Indiana is a bit of a silly name. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot with this name. The other thing with, in terms of James Bond and someone pointed this out to me the other day and I'd actually never really thought about it because for, for me, just a film about guys called James Bond, every, the reasons behind it are just a given. Um, but someone pointed out that James Bond is the only hero whose name is his catchphrase. Um, you know, my name is Bond. James Bond is, you know, along with shake not stirred is the catchphrase. Um, and that, yeah, there's, there's something about that as well. I think, um, yeah, you don't that's have a good point. Yeah. Cause what do you have? I'm Batman. That's, I mean, that's, you yeah, know, that's, he's, he's not Bruce. He's like, I'm Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I mean, he's, that's, he's not he's kind of, it's not ego. simply introducing themselves. Yeah. I think that is, there might be another one out there. I don't know, but I think it's probably unique to James Bond and, you know, us as point. Fans, we don't even think about that because it's obvious, yeah. but it's actually quite odd. Yeah, in its own way. That's that's very interesting. I like that. That that works very well. I mean, you mentioned then a Bond fan. I mean, was this something too that I can imagine as a Bond fan was a real passion project that you kind of got into? This had you always wanted to do something based in the James Bond universe as a filmmaker? I'd say, I'd say not necessarily. Um, I, I, I we've definitely come at this as a film first. Um, you know because. I think if you go on YouTube and, you know, God, God bless the people who do it, but if you go on YouTube, there's a lot of like fan made kind of James Bond films. And, you know, when I was in high school, I made like, it wasn't a James Bond film. It wasn't like a fake, it wasn't like a James Bond. We're playing James Bond, but it was definitely an action thriller with me and my friends running around with plastic James Bond guns <laughs> and, you know, jumping off things. And it, 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 you know what I mean? Kind of like a fan kind of film. Um, and I think with this, we were very intent on making, you know, a, a documentary that's more akin to, you, you know, a man on wire or the imposter or something like that. But just that happens to feature characters whose lives are spent every day within the James Bond phenomena, um, I, I think is the thing. And so, yeah, it, it, uh, this idea just kind of really lent itself towards that. And look, I am a massive kind of James Bond fan, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't always the plan to do something about James Bond. This, and it wasn't for me, it wasn't even the plan to ever make documentaries. It, it just, this idea kind of necessitated all of that. Yeah. And it was, it was, these guys just had crazier stories than we ever kind of imagined. And before we knew it, we kind of had this film. Okay. A couple of quick fire questions, just on what you said, does this film still exist on YouTube? Are your friends playing, you know, James Bond style things or have you hidden this away? So nobody ever sees it anymore. It's funny you say that because obviously one of the big struggles with a documentary like this, which obviously it features an ensemble of characters was how do we tie this together? Um, and the film, the film, the, the stories of the film do tie together really well at the end. Uh, but one of our initial ideas was a bit more like I was going to be like the host of the film. And the, we constructed an opening sequence, which is kicking around somewhere. And I, I will try and dig it out at some day. But it was an opening sequence like, hi, my name's Matthew Bauer. I'm a James Bond fan from Australia. And actually, Ben, I showed you around the house here before we started you the did. podcast. 
parts, but I was, I was going like, Oh, this is my parents' house in Australia where all my old James Bond toys are kept. Um, and then from that, yes, I actually went to my old high school and got the VHS tape of that film. Wow. And we tried cutting some of that and it was me as a slightly chubby 15 year old uh, running around. <laughs> of course, the, the gun we were using was the Walther P99 from Tomorrow Never Died, like the cap of gun. Course. And actually you could see the 007 logo on the side. So yeah, we did, we, we had a go at that version of the film. I'm very glad we didn't go down uh, that road in the end, even though it would have been an easy shortcut. Deleted scenes for the Blu-ray, right? <laughs> yeah. Something like, look, when you do a documentary, you have a lot of versions before you kind of get to the final one in the edit. And yeah, it, it, it is that kind of structural thing. That's kind of the hardest in the end. And actually in the end, the easiest structure was, was the simplest one, which is what we went with in the end. Did actually just quickly on on the tangent. Um, I saw you did show me uh, some of your great things that you've got there in your house. Based on the poster that's in your room, is your favorite Bond film Modern Majesty's Secret Service, or uh, do you have something else? Another one that you love? You know, as happens for those of us that kind of grew up in the VHS generation of James Bond, where you know we had to almost like piece together what the James Bond films were and what order they were in based yeah. on like based on like the DVD shop, but often also like the Roman numerals that were in yeah. the credits to figure out where they were. And, but I mean, as like any, you know, I, my first Bond film was seeing Moonraker on TV in Adelaide. Uh, and then as the dream, as you do, yeah, as you do, and actually, then weirdly, I didn't, of course, at that stage realize that there were multiple films of this. And then, actually, by chance, the next Bond film I saw was because a friend's dad put this VHS on, which was The Spy Who Loved Me. And so ah. then I realized that I assumed it was a sequel to Moonraker. And also, of course, that every single Bond film starred Roger Moore and this guy <laughs> with giant teeth. Um, I didn't realize that were the only two, but, but of course I then found the DVD, the, the, the VHS section. And of course, as you do, you work through all the Roger Moores first. Um, and then I worked through the Conneries. This was just pre GoldenEye. Um, and then, then finally got to Timothy Dalton. Uh, and then the, of course the last one was that weird one, you know, on a Majesty's Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, conversely, years later, yes, actually licensed to kill living daylights and on a secret service are, are, are amongst my very favorite Bond films, even though they seem like the throwaway ones at the time. Um, but yeah, but I can never pick a favorite. It's just, my, my favorite Bond is Roger Moore. Ah, um, one of our co-hosts, and I would like you then, Matt. He's a massive yeah, Roger fan. It's because it's your first. It's it's your first, you know. Yeah, um, and, and Brosnan is a. Uh, Brosnan's my favorite. And key reason why he's my first. So yeah, I, yeah, I no, and, and and it's hard though. But it's weird. Even though Roger Moore is my favorite, there's something about the more isolated Bond films, you, you know, which for me would be Goldeneye, Casino Royale, License to Kill, Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, which are real kind of just standout singular entries Absolutely. in their own way. And I think any one of those. Films Films is a better film than any of my favorite Roger Moore ones. So, you know, you know what it's like? You can't pick your favorite children. There's always yeah. a. Argument. It makes me happy that you're on, on the Timothy Dalton train, though, because uh, I, I'm the sole voice on this show with the Timothy Dalton love. I so, am I am massively on. I like I I, I I like to dream about the third Timothy Dalton. Film. Oh yeah, you just there's a great book about that. Not sure if you're uh, aware. There's a there fantastic there's some book. great. It's it's kind of covered in like AJ Chowdhury's book as well. Um, a lot of stuff on that, and and yeah, just just the thought that there could have been just like another Dalton or even like Dalton in Golden Eye. But then there's also that yeah. awesome 
universe thinking about about Brosnan in The Living Daylights exactly. and Life to Kill as well. And you, it, it's a pretty fascinating era that. But yeah, no, Timothy. It takes a while to get Timothy Dalton. Um, but yeah, especially License to Kill, I thought was awful the first time I saw it because it's just such a shock to the system. Very um, different. But, now, yeah. but the thing is that if every Bond film was License to Kill, it wouldn't work. The, the reason why License to Kill works is because you've suddenly got the Michael Kamen score and you're suddenly in Miami Vice 19 And as a singular entry, it's really special, you know, in the same way, if every Bond film was like Skyfall and it was all yeah. like, ah, we like the old ways of the British, it would be really <laughs> annoying. Um, yeah, but it 100%. works in that one singular kind of entry. Um, whereas I think especially like the, the, the run of the last five Roger Moores are all that kind of John Glenn era kind of warm comfort blanket um <laughs> you know sort of thing but yeah yeah sorry so describing it i hope colin's listening to this so there you go colin stop uh, shitting all over uh, dalton that's a perfect way of uh, describing him and, and license to kill now i mentioned before 24 and i said get to this question because one great connection for people who are listening to this who are 24 fans is you actually have Gregory Itzen in this film. Sadly, just passed away. And for those who don't know who Gregory Itzen is, very well known for playing President Charles Logan on the TV show 24, probably the best villain we ever had across 24. Now, he's playing the real James Bond, the ornithologist that essentially Ian Fleming took the name from. How on earth did you get Gregory Itzen to play this role? I've seen the clip uh, where you've sort of uh, got him there discovering this and going into a little detail about how this was a real burden on the real James Bond life at the time. But this is a big coup. Gregory Itzen, Charles Logan, and, and sadly it's his very last role as well because he's just sadly passed away. Yeah, thank you, Ben. And yes, yeah, sadly, he, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I, I mean, my what I'm happy about is that he got to see the film uh, before, before he did. And so it, weirdly enough, it has James Bond has become his final on-screen role. Um, but he basically, I mean, by the way, I'm just thrilled that you're a, a 24 fan and that you run a oh. 24 podcast because, uh, you know, massive, I, I am, massive fan. I am, if you held a gun to my head and I had to pick one, it would be 24, um, out of James Bond and Jack Bauer. And again, weirdly the, the whole, you know, Jason Bourne as well. There, there is the if three you, JBs. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to create a, a successful secret agent, it, the J, <laughs> there's something about the JB thing. I think it rolls off the tongue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am oh, gun to my head. If I have to choose between James Bond and 24, I would have to choose 24 because nothing has you know, especially going into filmmaking, it was, you know, the first season of 24, you know, on Channel 7 in Australia, you know, two nights a week as it was first aired, that was my, oh my God, something can be as good as this moment. Um, you know, and I'm a big, I mean, I look forward to you actually seeing this film, Ben, because I think as a 24 fan, there's also a lot of it built into the fabric of the storytelling. Oh. Um, but even more uh, excited now, Matt. Let's I, let's do I, it right I, now. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I I love I mean I love everything about 24, but but especially the 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 cliffhanger uh, kind of element of it is is the thing because in 24 had that ability, you know, the Nina Myers reveal in episode 23, and then they they kind of went off the plot twists a little bit in 24, especially towards the end. 
I, yeah. I think that uh, even though I do, even though I don't have an issue per se with the Jack Bauer action hour, I, I feel that they somewhat <laughs> took the eye off the ball of what was amazing in 24 was those moments that you only otherwise got in films like The Usual Suspects or M Night Shyamalan films where you 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 lean forward in your chair and you go, yeah. "Holy shit! Oh my god!" And of course the Logan reveal in season five, you know, is another one of those moments. And actually I always have a regret. I, I, I'm going to get really Australian geeky with you here. They bring it (laughs) channel seven. When they aired season five, put them into two parters and aired them as two hours together. Right. But by doing that, they cut off the previously on, on the second episode and right. And they cut it like it was a two hour episode. Now, of course I could not stand for this because, because that the, the previously on 24 is, is it's one of the best parts of the episode. Um, and so because of that, I refused to watch it on channel seven and waited for, even though it was very painful, um, and then I, I think by that stage, mate, if I'm being completely honest, I discovered the joys of uh, possibly illegally downloading. So I hadn't well, watched anything on Channel 7 worked, in a long time. As someone, who, <laughs> as someone who works in the film industry, I could neither confirm or deny uh, Of course. And I, I did not admit that to somebody who works in the works film industry. I would never do such a thing. It's a disgusting no, act. Because of that, I also, because I'm just very anal about this kind of thing, I insisted, I, I decided to finally try watching a whole season of 24 in 24 hours. And actually, oh, it was a fun. mistake. Uh, but yeah, I actually don't think it's a good way to do it because actually the idea of cliffhangers is they're supposed to leave you hanging on a cliff for a week. Yeah. And, and I actually don't think that to binge, weirdly enough, even though people are like, it's the first binge show, I actually don't think it's, it, it, you are supposed to stop sometimes, I think. Um, and I remember the first time I saw it, I do feel unfortunately by the time I got to the Logan reveal, it was kind of after like 14 hours of 24. And, and I kind of wish it was after having watched 14 weeks of 24, because yeah. I think that cliffhanger would have hit harder for me. But anyway, but regardless, I'm geeking out a bit here. But We'll get you on the Oz Network at CNC, Matt. Talk about 24. There's an open door right there. Now, I would love to come on a 24 podcast, Ben. Um, but yeah, basically, obviously... Gregory Itson was what kind of revived 24 for me. I think it's someone, even though I'm a fan of season two and three of, of 24, the, the, the Logan element is really what just elevated this show to like a level that I think we all never knew it could reach. It's like an Emmy award winning level. Um, And, you know, his turn on that show is just the most genius Shakespearean Nixon, thing that i mean especially when you combine it with gene smart i mean the sequences in season five you know particularly the the latter half after that reveal it it, it is just 24 on a whole other level that we never knew could even exist you know that that people often forget it but it's often the small moments when you re-watch it you know the scene with like him and william devane when he's trying to get him to step down and just that face off but also just like the lighting you know, coming off the water and the presidential retreat and the music and just oh, the frustrating thing I find as well is when I'm trying to convince people to watch 24 is you can't actually tell them all the good stuff. Exactly. Which, yeah. I'm sorry. Anyone who hasn't seen 24, you know, spoiler alert, don't listen to the spoiler next Spoiler alert. Yeah. But it's, but it's been like nearly 20 years. Is so. that the number one villain of 24 is the president of the United States. 
Yeah. And, and like that is just anyway. Sorry, I, we, I'm geeking on topic four here. <laughs> Basically, when we it happens, you're on double or seven. Nothing ever stays on topic on this show, man. Oh. It's all good. When you when you get to the ornithologist James Bond, I had all these photos of the original ornithologist, and we were trying to cast someone in London to play him. And I, at some point during that casting process, either came across a photo of Greg Edson or I was re-watching a clip or something like that. One, one of my permanent like YouTube playlist videos is a Cuba Visions edit of Charles Logan from season five of 24. You know, one of those fan-made trailers, but yep. it's a really good one. It's called 24, I'm a Traitor to This Country, if anyone wants to look it up on YouTube. It's Logan edited to the Dark Knight music. It's amazing. Wow. Um, but, but anyway, somewhere I came across that and I looked at the two and went, oh my God. Like he actually looks a hell of a lot like Gregory Itson and vice versa. Um, and you know, I just did it the classic way. I contacted Greg's manager in Los Angeles and I said, and I'm sure it was part of the hook. I said, I'd like Greg to play James Bond. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what got us over the line. And yeah, he, he agreed to do it. I always had to fly to Los Angeles uh, to kind of do it. Um, and he agreed to do two days for us um at a reasonably low rate um and it was amazing it was amazing i mean i i got to meet it was more the kind of the first meeting i just got to meet him at a diner in los angeles and talk about 24 for a couple of hours and it was just i mean god talk about a surreal moment um but what was cool about him was because he'd actually played logan he actually understood a lot of what it was like to be a guy called james bond and so you know you've seen the clip that you've said that you've had a look at there ben um there's a sequence in that where the real james bond is getting prank phone calls in the 1960s at his and he said to me, you wouldn't believe the crazy messages I get from kind of deranged 24 fans, you know, being like, you know, you killed President Palmer. Sorry, again, spoiler alert. You spoiler killed, alert, spoiler alert. You killed President Palmer. <laughs> you, you beat, you know, you, you, you hit Martha. Uh, you know, Jack Bauer is going to get you one day. Um, and and you know, he would kind of get these kind of bizarre messages. And so wow. he did agree just as a kind of famous person in a kind of different sort of fan world. He kind of got it, actually. And I think he drew a lot kind of on that in his performance of what happens. Well, also for Greg, Greg, Greg obviously has been in everything from Star Trek to Friends, but he was never famous before 24. And so 24 thrust him into the limelight in the same way James Bond, the ornithologist was thrust into the limelight when the James Bond thing came out. And so he kind of, aside from the fact that they look very similar, he, he kind of got it as well. Um, but yeah, but it, it's really sad he's passed, but I, I mean, I'm so thrilled that I, I, I got to meet and know him and call him a friend really. Um, incredible yeah, story. Thankfully, we kind of we took a few photos on set and a couple of selfies and things, and actually, it's really nice kind of having uh, having those. Yeah, now actually, I'm actually framed. I, I really hope, Matt, that now that if you do have a son, that you do call him Jack. Like that, just it just screams that you've got to call him Jack with your last name. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like. I don't. I, I, and again, that may be part of the appeal for me for 24 as well. Um, but it, 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 yeah. But I don't. I don't think I would after. After making this film, I don't know. But, but again, Jack Bauer doesn't have the same connotation that, no. that 
James Bond does. It's turned niche now, hasn't it? Because 24, sadly, it's kind of fallen by the yeah. way. I mean, we just had the 20th anniversary for it, but even then it wasn't a you know a 20th anniversary of Friends or Lost or something like that, was it? Were, were you on the 20 years of 24? Um, we uh, followed it bitly. We did our own. I'll send you the link to the one we did okay. on the Oz Network. We got like John Kazar on and Leslie Hope and a couple of other people uh-huh. on. But, um, nice. yeah, I, I followed a lot of it, so I saw a lot of the Keeper stuff and kind of all that I, kind of I stuff. Was, did, I, was, so. I, was, I was on the fan convention that day. What was was funny that day is that Greg, after his panel, because he's Greg, he didn't turn his camera off. So he just stayed on on the screen all day being Greg. But that was Greg as well. Greg was really great with the 24 fans and he was very giving. And I think the fact that, I mean, I came in as a very explicit 24 fan being like, you know, you know, I love Charles Logan, all this kind of thing. And yeah, I think that made him really kind of happy to star in it as well. But, but on the Jack Bauer thing, the thing is, Jack Bauer is the name of an action hero in the same way that James Bond is. But James Bond is also a lifestyle brand in a way that Jack Bauer is not. And I think what affects a lot of the characters in my film is, you know, my characters are not affected by the plot of Die Another Day or Goldfinger. What my characters are affected by is James Bond as a lifestyle brand. And you see so much in the world of James Bond of, you know, David Zaritsky's YouTube channel or Remitz, um, like bondlifestyle.com. It's very much the Bond thing is very much about kind of like living as James Bond and kind of to a degree being James Bond. And, you know, that very much ties into the product placements and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and it is this kind of, I kind of call it a certain like duty free shop version of masculinity. And I think that is what my guys called James Bond have to deal with in a way that someone called Jack Bow wouldn't have to deal with. Yeah. Which there's a famous New Zealand cyclist who went to the Olympics a couple of times called Jack Bauer. So, I mean, you've kind of got a few there, which, again, it's sort of past its date now where it's not really a cultural thing as much as it was in the 2000s. I'll tell you what, there actually was a guy arrested in England a few years ago called Jack Bauer. And he was actually arrested for, for like jumping in a taxi and like holding a knife to the taxi driver's throat or something that I shouldn't, I, I, I could be liable for that. Something that, that, that I don't know if that's true. It's something like that. I'd have to bring yeah. it up. Um, wow. But he essentially hijacked a taxi is what he did, which is obviously the most Jack Bauer move you've ever heard. It just was Jack Bauer. Um, like, let's yeah, be honest. No, yeah. and, and so I actually, weirdly enough, I'm friends with him on Facebook. I wrote to him and said, I'm making this film about guys called James Bond, and it's not something I feel like doing today. But would you ever consider doing like a short film or something about, <laughs> about this Bauer. experience? Um, well, yeah, I think there's, yeah. there's, I think there's some Breaking Bad ones. I know, like there was a Walter White, wasn't there, that was discovered for doing meth, and you know, so there's a few, obviously, ones out there where people live up to I their could, names. Uh, life, life can imitate art with, with yeah. things like it, it kind of can. There's a joke in Seinfeld, which is like, you know, oh, if you call your kid Bozo, there's a good chance he'll become a clown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there are there there are things kind of like that with this, and with most of my bonds, they've either completely rejected it or they've gone with it you know um, i want to ask you about one who has gone with it but it's funny you say that like obviously my name is not a famous name but there is actually another ben waterworth who is also works in media who now works for fox sports and um he's done so great he's let's be honest he's way more successful than me matt and i will constantly get his hate mail so he'll write a shit article and um he will get complaints and people will think it's me i i literally got an email from a very prominent Australian's brother 
abusing me yeah. because yeah. they thought I was that author. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I'm sure the James you know, Bond get the same. Like, how dare you, spoiler alert for No Time to Die, die? Like, why did you die? <laughs> no, it, it's weird you say that. And the thing is, when you have a famous name, there's a way that the world and the universe has a way of alerting you to other people with the yeah. same famous name as well. So all of the James Bonds, they kind of know about each other because they go, oh, my name's James Bond. And someone on that journey will go, oh, you know, there's a guy in the next town called James Bond as well. So they all know about each other. And basically in the USA, where we follow the story of a James Bond who's arrested for murder, we also follow the other guy called James Bond in the same town. And what he goes through when another guy called James Bond is arrested for murder, because of course, as you know, with the Ben Waterworth thing, everyone mistakes him for the guy who's been charged with murder. And so he starts having problems at his work and he actually has to go on the news himself. To, to, wow. to say it's not me i'm not the murderer um and there is they they yeah they, they they it's not just sharing a name with a famous person it also ties all the others together and i mean this film is kind of all about those kind of crazy unexpected five moves along things that happen that the martini jokes we honestly get out the way in about the first five minutes <laughs> um, and, and it kind of, it, this film, it's more, what does it for me is just these insane complications that happen that you would never think. Which I've got to ask one more question then in relation to one of the James Bonds you spoke to, you mentioned a little bit to me off air. We're talking a bit about James Bond. I've obviously got the die another day poster behind me. And you mentioned about one of the people you talked to, a big Swedish fan who I believe actually changed his name to James Bond, who has a bit of a Die Another Day connection, it seems. So please tell me the story about uh, this one James Bond who loves so, Die Another Day, maybe more than I do. Yeah, so we didn't really want to go the name change route in this film because there are, of course, I mean, there's a lot of people who, like, at least they call themselves James Bond in, like, India, you know, and it's clearly just an India guy who calls himself James Bond or whatever. But with this guy, we found him in Sweden, and basically he lives in a very small, isolated, snowy town called Nibro uh, in Sweden, and he... The thing about him is that he's a man who's turned himself into James Bond. The the the, the name change is really just the icing on the cake. Um, and he literally, you know, he he owns the James Bond Museum. And the reason for that is because he, he works in the car industry. And so slowly over the years began buying up James Bond's cars and vehicles. And actually now someone has a James Bond vehicle to sell on the market. They often go to him because they know wow. he's the buyer of these things. So, but he's got every, he's, he's got the hovercraft from Die Another Day, for instance. Really? Wow. Um, and, you know, I was actually with him when he was buying that from England a few years ago. But basically, How much did he pay for the hovercraft to chime yeah, in there? Yeah, expensive. obviously if he can't get the one from the film, he just buys the same model. Um, you know, and so basically he ended up with so much stuff of Bond that he actually opened a, a museum for it. So now accepts visitors and guests. Um, but, but yeah, but he's a man who's turned himself into James Bond. So I mean, from my experience, you know, I arrived there in Sweden and, you know, the Aston Martin pulled up at the train station. He gets out dressed as James Bond, comes up, you know, good morning. My name is Bond, James Bond. Um, you know, you, you go and drink martinis and bollinger and you know he, he lives life as james bond and so and you have to see the film to figure out there is a why to that 
um, which, which, yeah, you, you, you'll see in the film. But that was the kind of cool thing with him. But, yeah, but what, what I find interesting with him is that he's, he's a guy who's turned himself into James Bond, but it's against the backdrop of this tiny snowy town in the middle of Sweden. And so it's kind of funnier because he goes around this town as James Bond. Of course, the local townsfolk there are somewhat bewildered <laughs> by, by all of this and kind of by the media attention that's come on their town because of this man. Um, but what's funny with him is he kind of, you know, we talk about the 24 Renaissance. He, he kind of, he loved Bond his entire life, but Goldeneye for him was a massive renaissance of, of Bond um, because, yeah, he went through that period, which I'm too young for, but it must have been a fascinating period between License to Kill and Goldeneye where it felt like James Bond might actually end forever. And, of course, now we're, like, got a six-year gap between Bond yeah. films. That seems normal. But exactly. I, remember, I, I remember as a kid when they came, when the Brosnan films came out every two years, I was like, yeah. oh, God, imagine that drought of six years between. But anyway, he was such a Bond fan that when Goldeneye came out, it was, it was like, you know, Jesus returning, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and so he became very attached to Pierce Brosnan and because him and Brosnan look somewhat similar, he, he, Brosnan became the, the bond that he models himself on specifically. And then, but because the museum is surrounded by ice and snow, he's kind of used the die another day Brosnan specifically and specifically with the cars and vehicles he purchases. He's got like the skidoo, you know, like the ski runner things from die another day. Um, and then he's got the Aston Martin from die another day, um, which is not snow based, but obviously he drives around in that in the snow all the time with the winter <laughs> tires on. Um, and then obviously funnily enough, he's got the hovercraft from die another day and the hovercraft obviously only is in the, in the suite in the North Korea sequences of that film, but he drives the hovercraft around in the snow. Oh, which is wow. This thing where, of course, because it's an all-terrain vehicle, right? And so he <laughs> kind of brought the hovercraft into his own version of the Ice Palace world wow. of that film. And so I think for Bond fans, there's this whole other layer to his sequences that he's kind of talking about die another day all the time, which obviously Obviously, for Bond fans, is a very divisive. Film. I thought we were the one thing in this world that still talked about Die Another Day so much. There's a guy out there who talks about it even more. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the funniest things in the museum is he he plays some of the James Bond DVD extras just on screens around the museum. And so one of them, he's got the 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 VFX. There's a featurette with the VFX artists who designed the tidal wave. Yeah, die another day, which obviously is famously and is constantly on top five, top five worst visual effects sequences of all time. This, but yep. because that that is all about the snow and ice, he has that on a screen because it fits with the museum. <laughs> but again, there's this whole other level of comedy that that you know in this thing called the James Bond Museum. There's this real celebration of the aesthetic of die another day plus this featurette about the worst visual effects sequence of all time playing wow. on the screens. Um, but, yeah. You just made me want to go to Sweden even more now. <laughs> look, I, you know, it's meant to be a bit bizarre, you, you know, and I think as a Bond fan, you also understand this whole other level of bizarre to it because what I like about James is he doesn't follow the convention of what you're supposed to like in James Bond. He's 
he's a guy from Nebro and he likes what he likes in James Bond and he likes the fun stuff. And like most people do, you know, outside of our little James Bond fan bubble, you know, people do like the fun ones and people kind of do like Die Another Day. And they're like, yeah, that one where they're... Because yeah, we've all got our fun. guilty pleasure, no matter what Bond type of Bond fan you are. We've all got that one that most people don't like, but we like... You mentioned License to Kill, a usually hated Bond fan, a film, but some people got to have it up. Die Another Day for me. One of our co-hosts, he loves Diamonds Are Forever. Like, it's just, you've always got that guilty yeah. pleasure, which is well, kind I of think, shit, but think- you enjoy it. I think it's also relative to what's going on in the films right now. I, I think yeah. with the the what I would call the incredibly overstuffed plots in the back half of the final of the last two Bond films, yeah. I think it's caused people to. And by the way, if you would have told me on paper as a kid the plots of Spectre and No Time to Die, <laughs> I would have been drooling. I would have said yeah. yes. You know, when I was stuck in the middle of, of the Brosnan era, I was said, oh, my God, that's my dream that, that Spectre was behind the death of Vesper Lind and he's going to meet Blofeld in prison and it's going to be like out of Silence of the Lambs. I, like, I would have dreamed of that Bond film existing. However, I, sometimes I think you have to be careful of, of what you wish for. And I think mm-hmm. now especially there does feel like there's been a resurgence in love for the non-Goldeneye Brosnan film. Tw- 20 years anniversary. We talk about the 60th yeah. anniversary of Bond. It's tw- happy 20 yeah. anniversary for Die Another Day this year, Matt. Come on. Yeah. And I think I think now sometimes after after these, you know, also very long films, Yeah, the Brosnan films actually, you know, they have the same production value of, of the later Bond films, but they're just a lot kind of simpler. I mean, the fact is, you know, the Brosnan films actually are just, the classic James Bond on a mission structure, yeah. Um, you know, and I think that there, there has been a reappreciation. I think you can feel it happening these days of of those films. About time, it's meant to happen. I'm telling you now. I was actually yeah. hoping you were going to say that uh, you go to his museum and there's like a an empty pedestal, and he would go, "Oh, look, there's the uh, Aston Martin from Die Another Day," but it's invisible. So like he could have just yeah. pulled that off. But, you know what? Uh, that's a good joke, and I'm going to tell him to try that one. That's actually really. <laughs> you know, that's You're welcome. That's actually a really funny joke, and I'm going to tell him to do that in the museum. Make a plaque that says, "This is the invisible Aston Martin from Die Another Day." That's people would get it. It's that's really funny, Ben. I don't think he's thought of that. I'm going to suggest that to him. It's a it's, that's a good idea. Just, just taking us nearly 120 episodes of somebody saying funny, Matt. You're my favorite no, no, guest we've ever had on the show. Thank you. Because he has a James Bond museum. That's the pl- only there or somewhere like Bond in Motion could that. Jo- I'm going to tell him that one, Ben. Oh, stay tuned. You're welcome. You're more than welcome. Uh, people, of course, uh, the film is called The Other Fellow. Before I let you go, Matt, uh, obviously it's about to premiere at the Melbourne Documentary uh, Festival next week. But uh, outside of that, can people, where can people see this? Where can people go out and see The Other Fellow? The, the answer is yes, there are going to be a bunch of other places you can see The Other Fellow, and I can't tell you what they are right now okay simple um, stay tuned it, to the other fellow.com it, it, is that it, where it, people should go yeah but thanks unfortunately because of lawyers and things right now but ah. there, should, yeah, there should be a very good answer to that very soon <laughs> but currently you can see it on tuesday night in melbourne at the melbourne documentary film festival uh at cinema nova on ligon street um so that's currently the upcoming screening but there will be some more coming up more worldwide um, but yes, yeah, so you can go to our website, theotherfellow.com or facebook.com slash theotherfellow, Instagram slash theotherfellow, all of, all of the socials slash theotherfellow. Um, Perfect. 
We'll keep an eye on it. And once it uh, gets wind of where it's been out, we'll also share it on our uh, socials as well so people can check it out. Matt, this has been so much fun. So looking forward to seeing the film. This is a great idea. And obviously, I think we need to get you on the Oz Network to talk about 24 as well because we've discovered another shared passion. Uh, absolutely. If you would have me as a special guest, I would love nothing more than to go on a 24, 24 podcast. Um, and actually, as well, I dip in and out of Survivor. Um, I sometimes get word from the ether that there's a good season of Survivor going on in the States. So if there ever is a good one, let me know. I'd be more than happy to watch. It sounds funny, but as someone who works in documentary, I'm not someone that thinks reality TV is crap. Um, I think the very best of reality TV is amongst some of the best documentary work. You, you'll see I me. Mean, if you ever go back to the first season of Survivor and oh, watch yeah. that. It's, it's basically a, a documentary. It, it's amazing because you're watching them figure out how to play Survivor. And so yeah. you're watching them figure out the first time they come up with the concept of an alliance. Yeah. And all that kind of thing is in that season. And it's an amazing season of TV. And there's, you know, there's, there's a British show called the hotel and it's like kind of like the real faulty towers which i see as one of the most amazing documentary tv series of all time and a lot of people a lot of people who are kind of basic go straight to reality tv equals crap Mm -hmm. And, and and it's it's not and like survivor is this amazingly constructed kind of social thriller that, that takes place of, you know, you know what, I don't need to explain it to you, do you know what I mean, of people stranded on an island somewhere. And at its best, Survivor is amazing. And, yeah, I came back into it during, like, the Russell Hance era a, a while back. But, yeah, if, if there's ever a good se- season of Survivor going on, let me... I think we just get you on all our other shows. Do you like Eurovision as well, Matt? Uh, <laughs> there's, no. There's the open... No. no? Okay. No, not not Eurovision. No, all right. No, okay. I'm not. I'm not a... I'll stay out of the Eurovision one. Yeah, the other ones will get you on then. Uh, if no, Colin, they're sick, we'll get you on. <laughs> sounds like we have quite similar taste, Ben. I mean, actually, it is. I, I'm going to send you a link to, to the film because I think you should actually have a look at it given... I, I think would absolutely it, love that, Matt. would really appreciate that I'll, I'll, I'll say i can't spoil too much of the film but actually some of our stuff is a it's a little bit there's some surprising amount of kim bauer in peril cougars stuff are there cougars going. no there's there's no cougars but there's there, there's for me there's a little bit of season one season two kim okay. bauer peril going i can't once you've seen the film you'll know what i'm talking about all right We'll track back and we'll we'll find out more of that because you're intriguing. But, uh, Matt, really appreciate your time on the show, Matt. This has been an absolute blast. Awesome, Ben. Thank you for having us. An absolutely fantastic chat there with Matt. And I, for one, am looking forward to seeing this film. Very, very excited, particularly with one fan who is a little bit obsessed with this. I had to play it just because I'm by myself and don't have Colin and Noah in here. I still have to play that. But yeah, so excited to chat to Matt there. Learned so much about it. And the otherfellow.com is the website, as we mentioned there, if you want to stay up to date with when it will be released, uh, wherever you are listening to us from. Of course, social media as well. Search for the other fellow on there. And check out the trailer. The trailer looks fantastic. We'll share the trailer on both our website posts and on social media as well because I I thoroughly recommend checking out this trailer because it looks so damn good. So uh, big thanks to Matt there. And such a, again, as I said at the top and as I said in the interview, kind of an obvious idea. This is something you feel should have been done before. But uh, Matt, the first to jump on that one and uh, very much 
looking forward to seeing how it all turns out. In the meantime, we've got some great stuff coming your way. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to drop a couple of clip shows so you can go down memory lane, hear some uh, moments from our past. Of course, as promised long time ago, we've finally got our best of the Daniel Craig recaps now that No Time to Die has dropped and we've done the recap for it. We can finally pull the Daniel Craig era of James Bond to a close. So you'll hear the best snippets from all our Daniel Craig era recaps and a couple of other great ones coming your way there as well. And in the next month or so, we've already recorded a couple of episodes for you to enjoy. One involves me reading books because I've started to read the Ian Fleming ones. I'd say at the time of recording this, I've actually read four of them now. But when you hear that episode dropping next month, I had read read three at the time. So uh, that is coming your way. And also next month, we have a very fun rankings episode for you where we're ranking something a little bit obscure from the world of James Bond. It's not just an obvious one that you think, oh, they haven't ranked this, haven't ranked that. It's a bit obscure. And as always, with all of our rankings episodes, it's a little bit silly and a little bit fun. So stay tuned to that. Best way to stay tuned to everything 007 related, of course, 007.wordpress.com is our website. We are also on Twitter. We are on Facebook and we are on YouTube as well. Search for 007 on those and subscribe to us wherever you are listening to us from. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Leave us some comments, leave us some feedbacks, all that fun stuff. And Patreon as well. If you want to support the show, then sign up to Patreon. Some great tiers there and we do a bonus Patreon episode every month, of course, for you to enjoy as well a big thanks again to matt again the movie is the other fellow the other fellow.com is a website thanks everyone for tuning into the show today my name is ben and i'm going off to my ice palace in sweden hey now, I can kiss you.